This is Sober in the City. Real life, real addiction, real recovery. For Sober in the City all week, subscribe to our podcast by visiting SoberInTheCity.com or search Sober in the City in the iTunes store. Stick this in a shot glass and shoot it. It's Dangerous Debbie Strand. Sober in the City is brought to you in part by Believe Treatment Center. At Believe Treatment Center, we understand. Call now. 1-855-874-2354 or visit believetreatmentcenter.com to find out how we can help and how your insurance can pay for it. We're back with more Sober in the City and I'm Debbie Strand. If you think you or someone you might care about might have a problem with drugs, pot, alcohol, food issues, sex, gambling, porn, smoking, hair pulling, Yeah, I know. It all sounds like a buzzkill. But really, sober is better, I swear. Give us a call, 800-SOBER-05, 800-SOBER-05. We'd love to hear from you what your opinion is on the topic and tell me if you're staying sober and how you're doing it and why you got wasted yesterday. Did you get wasted? Hey, that's cool. Just call me up and tell me the reason. Who pissed you off so you went and drank at them? I used to do that. I'll show you. I'll hurt me. Anyway, tell us the resentment. Call us 800-SOBER-05 and visit us at SoberInTheCity.com and listen live on the Sober in the City app for Apple and Droid devices. And share the show with your friends and give it to your sponsor that's driving you nuts. Let them listen to the show. You go to a meeting. We're talking about changing others' perceptions of you. How do you change your perception of yourself and how much does it really matter? I know in early recovery for me, it mattered a lot. And it's like Kreskin, the mind reader, that old guy, that old skit from Johnny Carson show. Do you really know what others are thinking of you? Or is it your own way to continue the abuse of yourself through thinking that others think less of you? Is it maybe your own perception of yourself, what you think others think of you? Is it what you think of them and you're projecting that they think that of you? Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Or are you just not busy enough with your own life that you actually have time to sit around and think about this stuff? It's driving me a little nuts right now talking about it. So we're going to go right to the callers. We're going to go to Tim from Saugus, California. Tim, welcome to Sober in the City. Hi, Debbie. How are you doing? I'm good, Tim. What do you, what do you think of others? What do you think of me? No. What do you think about other people thinking things of you? How did that work for you in early recovery and how has it changed for you over time? Okay, um, I'm Tim, and I'm an alcoholic. And uh, you know, when I first went into the rooms of AA, I, I, my perception was everything, and I was constantly thinking about myself. And one of the things that you know I think about is, what are you thinking about me? And of course, I was judging others while I was in the rooms because um, I didn't think I was really an alcoholic. So. You know, looking back on all that craziness, um, I have to remember because, you know, I can put a lot of thought into this and that's not good. Okay. Uh, I have a, a little tool, a little thing that I use now and, is, and that is, it's none of my business what you think about me. And I, that's something I've been using for a while now. And, uh, but every once in a while, especially if it's someone that we love or love us and 
they make a remark or something, and then, you know, you can start to trip out on it again. And I have to remember, you know, who I, who I am, you know, that's, that's first. Uh, and that is, and this is a blessing. I didn't think it used to be, but it is because it keeps things simple for me. And that is that I'm an alcoholic. Okay. Once I've admitted I'm an alcoholic, I, that's, that's my, you know, my base, my foundation to work from. From there, I can say, okay, what, what is it that really bothers me about, you know, if I'm thinking about what other people think of me? And that is that as part of, part of the problem of being an alcoholic is I want to be validated. I want to feel like I fit in. I want to feel like a man. If I'm among men, I want to feel like a man. If I'm, if I'm with women, I want to be them to be attracted to me. And that's part of the reason I'm a drug addict and an alcoholic. So I always worried what people thought of me. And if I continued to think this way, the whole, the, getting, having peace and serenity through the program, it's never going to work. And the reason why it won't work is because I have a God, and I have to have a God. I have to have a God that I can trust. And he's either in charge or he's not. It's, it's that simple for me as far as that goes. And if I'm worried about what other people think about me, then he can't put me where he needs me. I can't, I'm not going to be where God wants me to be if I'm worried about what other people think about me. Now, of course, you know, I have a boss, you know, and <laughs> I have to worry, you know, I have right. to be where he wants me to be. So, it, you know, there has to be balance there. But for the most part, I'd say it's social settings and being in the room, you know, being, you know, with family during the holidays. That, that's where it really kicks in, this whole thing. So anyway, if, uh, if I'm not where God wants me to be, then it's going to be hard for me to be of service. And as we all know, you know, once you're in this program, you know that the most dangerous place to be is in my own head. I have to be, and the best way to cure that is to help others. So um, one, another problem with perception is that I have to remember, too, that I can't change other people. I can't. And it's none of my business. You know, God's got, God's got that. So, you know, that's another thing. I can't be worried about uh, what other people think because one thing that I have to have is a spiritual life. It has to, you know, I have to have that foundation. And, then, and if I'm worried about what other people think about me, I'm, you know, it's, it's very hard to uh, walk with God. And most importantly, there's no gratitude for me anyway. If I'm worried about what you think, Debbie, you might think I'm crazy or whatever, or this guy, whatever, you know, how am I going to be grateful that I get to participate in life? So, um, and you know, as it says in the big book, you know, we, uh, we keep our feet on the ground and our head in the clouds, And that's kind of where God wants us to be. And, um, so that all being said, that's more thought than I want to really put into this topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I, I so appreciate you participating in a topic you don't even want to talk about. Thank you so much. Well, that's good service I mean. work. 
Yeah, well, no, I understand too. And, and I'm sitting through two hours of it. And I'm really good with this stuff. But I know I'm, <laughs> I know I'm going to help a newcomer out there somebody that, you know, doesn't really know what to do with this stuff. And I want to get several different opinions. And a lot of people already have said, you know, what other people think of me is none of my business. And, and I think it's really important. And it's very valid and very true. And I like how you brought up the topic about you were judging others in the beginning. And I don't know if so much you were doing this, but I think I judged others to try to make myself feel better. Not so much that I was putting them down, but to try to make myself realize that I wasn't that bad. See, because it really wasn't about them and trying to cut them down or hurt them. It was really just all about me. Everything was about me trying to feel better. I just wanted to feel better. I just wanted to stop hurting so much. And and I didn't really necessarily want to hurt other people. I mean, I didn't walk up to people and tell them what I was thinking about them. But I was thinking all kinds of things about different people just so I could start to feel better about myself. And I think that's just a natural part of the process. And I'm glad to hear that, you know, you were kind of going through it and judging other people, too. And this thing, you bringing up God, if I've got my eyes on him, then I can't watch what everybody else is looking at me and what they're saying about me. If I keep my focus in the right place and the purpose of the program is to help you find a power that's greater than yourself to direct your life and to give you a new meaning and and to find out how to do his work and what is his work for us for our lives. I mean, it's not a religious program. It's a spiritual based. It's a spiritual lack that we have. That makes us alcoholics and addicts and makes us act yeah. out in all these crazy different behaviors. Like, like I read every week when we open up these um, mm. uh, segments about yeah. whether you're addicted to food, pot, sex, gambling, porn, whatever it is. It's that spiritual yeah. lack in ourselves that make us you seek know, I, outside pleasures. Yeah. I, when I say it's more thinking about that than I want to do, it's because I'm better off not thinking too much about this stuff. That's why I like to keep it simple. You know, it's none of my business what you think about me. Um, it's not that I don't think about these things. <laughs> it's just, it can be, I can overthink them because I'm, I'm a complicated alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, I try to just stay busy with my life and not think about what other people think of me. Tim, thank you so much for sharing that with us. I really appreciate Thanks, it. Yeah. And Linda from Maslin, Ohio. Linda, welcome to Sober in the City. Glad to have you back. Thanks, Debbie. Pleasure to be back. Um, Tim, I believe I'm going to have to marry him. So is this where I ask him to marry me on the show? Sure. That'd be a (laughs) first. Go ahead. Oh, my gosh. He said everything I wanted to say. So uh, thanks for my time. No. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. He really did. I mean, just like Tim, I constantly in the front of my mind when people want to talk about me or have something to say about me or my sponsees bring to me something that somebody said or they have concerns for their self, the first response I have is that's none of my business. What they think about me is none of my business. And it has just saved me so much time in my head where I don't belong. It's kept peace within me and a serenity that I value so very much. Um, I'll tell you, when I first went to the rooms, too, I was worried because I was such a revolving door person, and I would be, like, there once again collecting coins, thinking, oh, what what do they think? You know, but it wasn't until that I truly surrendered that I didn't care what they thought anymore. Once I began to go. listen to my sponsor, yeah, and do the things that she suggested, that she had suggested long ago, I just wasn't hearing her. Um, all of a sudden it just really didn't matter anymore because I was serious about getting sober 
And it wasn't so much about what everyone thought. It was about being sick and tired of being sick and tired. I knew that I needed a spiritual remedy. It says that in my big book, and my sponsor had told me that because I have a spiritual malady, obviously, and I had a serious thinking problem. You know, my perception was off on everything I did. Um, and, and right away, too, I always knew that there was a God for me. I had felt his hand upon my shoulder all my life. I chose to walk away from him because I was embarrassed. Again, thinking what God thought about me, <laughs> you know, and that would keep me sick and keep me out there. Like, I was ashamed. And uh, But it wasn't until, you know, I chose to uh, come back into, you know, receive the grace that he had given me, knowing every day I had new mercy, that I could finally be molded by him. And when I began to do the things that I thought were pleasing to him, then my life began to change. Um, It wasn't about pleasing others anymore. It was about pleasing God. And then being of service right away, I knew that that would be something that could help to save my life because, again, I watched others, and if I wanted what they had, I knew I had to do what they did. And they were making coffee, and they were chairing meetings, and they were going out of their way for the newcomer. You know, they were active. They got a home group. They did all the things that I knew I needed to do so that finally what others thought of me just didn't even matter. Um, Dr. Seuss puts it best when he said, those that matter don't mind and those that, well, how's it go? Those that, those mind, that mind don't, don't matter. matter. Right. And, and I love that because that is so perfect. Um, it was, you know, in, in judging, I judged other people in the beginning and how dare I, you know, because I would, I judged them in a way where I truly believed I would want what they had. But when I began to see that some people, their talk didn't match their walk, I was like, oh, so alarmed. Like, hmm, really? And, you know, my perception of some of the people that I admired in the beginning began to change. And I would, and I can see sometimes where a newcomer sees those things and says, oh, see, it ain't all it's cracked up to be. But what I did and what I do with my sponsors when we see those things today, we say, you know, there are good examples, there are bad examples. Even though that person has sobriety and maybe a substantial amount of time, there's the difference between quality and quantity, which is easily explained in actions, I believe. And again, these are just my opinions, you guys. Um, also, I think to myself, that's not what I want to be when I grow up in AA. And uh, those things help me to just, you know, keep an even balance with my life, keep things on uh, an even keel, keep my uh, pillow soft at night. And that is made soft by a clear conscience because I've done what I needed to do for the day to make sure that I right my wrongs, you know, I do my step 10, um, because I don't really want to have any major resentments or anything, and I know if I do what I need to do daily, I don't have to revisit all that stuff, or I don't have to put anything in a bag that I want to carry, I don't have, my one sponsor tells me the funniest story, says he uh, took his, you know, bag, his baggage to the altar, and, uh, you know, just laid it there, and he said, and as he walked away from the altar, he, uh, looked back and then he thought, oh, wait, I still need some of that stuff. And he grabbed his bag and walked away with it. (laughs) Well, finally, he did leave it there. But I can see that. I can see that. That would be me easily. 
Um, it's just it's just a matter of today. I never know who's watching. I never know who's looking. And it's not that I am trying to impress that person that I don't even know is paying attention to me. It's just that I want to do, I want to be an example to my child who's grown and gone with her own children, um, has a husband and everything as well. But, you know, I want them to know there was a time when my child said, I just want my mom back. You know, and I wanted her mom back too. I didn't know how to get her. Today, I can not only be her mom, and I can be a good mother-in-law, and I can be a good uh, nana to my little people. And, uh, you know, it just works out well for all of us, because we don't worry about what everybody else says. It just, um, you know, my daughter and her husband had some some problems recently, and uh, and it infiltrated the rooms of AA, because they both go there also. And... uh, you know what, and word always gets back to you, oh, you shouldn't have chose sides, you shouldn't have done this, you shouldn't have done that. You know what, and I say to them, and I and I say to myself, you know what, none of them have walked in my shoes, they're not the mother of my child, they're not the mother-in-law of my son-in-law. You know, don't worry about us. Mind your own business, and we'll mind ours, and we'll do what's pleasing to God. And we did that, and everything worked out just as best as it could for today. And we're satisfied with that just comes down to doing the right thing. Absolutely. That's terrific, Linda. I'm glad it all worked out. And I wanted to explain step 10 that she was talking about. It's where we, Mm -hmm. at the end of our day, carefully review our day and see where perhaps we were wrong and that we need to make an amends. And we go over those things and look at what we did throughout the day. And I think there's a, a difference, of course, between judgment and discernment, not so much to judge people as we're better than them, but to judge, am I going to give this person the key to my house? I need to do that. Absolutely. I definitely need to discern it. And uh, watching other people is, yes, you're going to see examples of what you want, and you're going to see examples of what you don't want. You know, they're not necessarily bad, but I go, well, this is what they do. You know, they don't pay attention in meetings. They come and go. Uh, they're walking around during the meeting. They're going out for snacks. They're going to the bathroom. And, you know, their life's kind of a mess, too. And then the people who are doing the right thing and they're staying in the meetings and they're helping other people and they're working with other people. I see them staying sober and I see them sharing things that they're happy and their lives seem to be in order. And those are the things that I want to do. So doing the right thing, it's not necessarily about who else is looking or if anybody's watching, it's my gut because my gut doesn't work right today if I'm not doing the right things in my life. So we just do the right thing anyway. Got to keep your eyes on God, right? Absolutely. That is so true. My gut tells me instantly. I'm like, er? <laughs> I'm like, did you feel that, Linda Witt? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> How do you like that? I know. I, I yeah. hate having that feeling <laughs> of anxiety. When I have anxiety, I'll do anything to get out of it. Even make amends to right. somebody I don't want to talk to. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And the sooner the better. Yep. So we've got Pat on the line from Oregon. Pat. Pat is originally from Oregon, lived in Florida, and now he's back in Oregon. Pat, welcome to Sober in the City. Hi, Deb. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. Share it on the topic for us, would you? Yeah. When when I think about, um, when I start thinking about how people see me, I think a lot of that comes, with a lot of that comes my own imagination, which will then create the worst case scenarios that I can possibly come up with. Because I don't believe that I can actually know what someone thinks about me. Cause I've rarely had a conversation where somebody comes up to me and starts off with, do you know what I think of you? Because it never <laughs> ends well. 
You know, there's not too many people that have that kind of courage to honestly approach me like that, you know, because on the outside, on the outside, aesthetically, you know, I'm covered in tattoos. I'm not the most approachable person to, to come up to, you know, I'm not, I'm not like that friendly looking guy. So no one really starts with me like that, you know, so I don't really know what other people think of me, but I imagine what other people think of me. And that causes me a lot of problems because that's, that's not the honest truth. You know, that's not really what it is. And, you know, the, when I first came into recovery, I know that the, the image that I was attempting to put out was that everything was okay and that I was fine and that, you know, that I didn't really need your help and all this stuff because I didn't want anyone to know that I was insecure, that I was vulnerable, that I was, you know, that I was hurt, that I was damaged. So I kind of tried to cover all that up. Now, you know, after being around for a little while, I'm still, you know, I'm in touch with that darker side of myself. I know where I come from. I've been, you know, I lived that my entire life. So that's inherently a part of me, you know, and I use that actually to kind of keep people at arm's length. You know, I, I'm not really comfortable with having everyone see, you know, my vulnerable sides. So I'm all right with having a lot of people at arm's length. The people that aren't, the people that are really close to me, they know, you know, who I am. And they see, it kind of works in a reverse sense for me at this point. Like they see the things that, I, that I'll say or that I'll, I'll write to people. And, you know, I'm, I can be a little sharp-witted and, and a little, you know, a little dark and a little, little mean and sarcastic sometimes. But I know that they know that deep down that's not really how I am. Because my actions don't follow what I say. You know, I do things, you know, kind things for other people. And I go out of my way to help people. And I do, I do the things that kind of pay me back with, with feeling good about myself. So I know that what I'm doing is, you know, it's what I say that doesn't match what I do. And I, it's kind of in a reverse sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And I was wondering, when you said that you're covered in tattoos, did you at one time start to put those tattoos on to keep people at arm's length from you so that, that you wouldn't be so approachable? Um, no, I don't think that that was really part of it. I mean, growing up the way that I did and where I did, it was just like, uh, it was attractive, you know? It seemed like the, the thing to do. I mean, the first ones that I actually got were ones that I did to myself while I was in jail as a kid, so... It was more or less, I think, a fitting in thing than the actual art that it's become. Because a lot of the things that I have at this point are, are memories and they're things that I want to cherish for myself. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand them, but that's okay, you know? <laughs> I, I understand that a lot of people do that. My art, I hang on walls. Some people just hang it on their skin. I was always like, I yeah. couldn't decide what I would get. And then I know I would change my mind. So I never got one. And that's fine. <laughs> But I guess that's why people have many of them. Yeah, well, they say the body's a temple, so I say decorate the walls, you know, it's fine. <laughs> that's fantastic. But people do have different perceptions of you because you're covered in tattoos. Are you feeling that prejudice? They do. Um, yeah, well, you know, I've kind of grown accustomed to it, and it's, it's not something that's new for me. So I'm not, you know, shocked, and no one really, you know, offends me when they, when they walk the other way or, or feel, you know, I sense their uncomfortability during conversations. But in my workplace, I deal with a lot of people. So, and some of them are, are much older than myself. And it's funny to see, like, when I initially started working there, there was a lot of standoffishness, you know, like they didn't want to approach me. And, and that was fine. But then as I was consistent, which is what I find to be the truth, is consi consistent action over time. You know, when I keep doing what I'm doing, 
that's what shows the honest truth. I mean, I can tell you anything that I want to, and I agree with watching what people do as opposed to what they say. So these people got to see me over, you know, a few years being consistent and being honest and being on time and doing what I say that I'm going to do and, you know, having some integrity. And then they start to open up. And now at this point, our relationships have blossomed to be completely different where, you know, out in public at this point, if I'm eating at a restaurant, these people don't mind coming up to me and sitting down and spending time with me, you know, and it's really kind of, it can be a little weird looking when like you're sitting in a little sushi joint and there's three old ladies sitting with you and, you know, and it's me, <laughs> you know, and I, then I, I see the other people judging me walking by, you know, who's this guy and why has he got three old ladies there? And it's, you know, it's, it's all my, I, I honestly think a lot of it is my imagination that causes these judgments, you know. You must have a good time with that one though. <laughs> I do. It is kind of fun, and I play it up, and they enjoy it. You know, it's not like you know, there's nothing debaucherous going on, but it's 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 good, honest fun. But I can imagine what people think, though. Yeah, yeah, and see, and that therein lies the problem. I imagine what people think. Exactly. Nobody can beat me up like me, you know. Exactly. How long are you sober, Pat? Uh, a little over six years. Okay. So how has the perception changed for you? I mean, when you first came in, I mean, were you just a terrible mess with worrying about what other people thought about you? Um, no, when I, when I came in, I was really angry and I didn't really want anybody to be near me. And I made that, you know, very clear, you know, I, and I wasn't, it, it was a disastrous shape that I came in and I also came in with my wife and we were both, you know, complete mess. And like when we were out, you know, running and everything, we would try and, and, and portray these images that we wanted to present to other people, you know. And when when I finally hit bottom and came in, all that was destroyed, you know. So I actually, I think part of my confusion with, with creating, you know, the, the image of pe- that I thought people wanted to see was that I had played so many different roles throughout my life that to actually be myself was, was a, it was a strange feeling. You know, I didn't actually know how to be myself. I always had to be somebody else for somebody else. So it took a a little while for me to actually come to grips with who I am, you know, instead of trying to play a role for someone. Thank you so much (laughs) for being here with us today. Sober in the City will be right back after a few words from our sponsors. Maybe ask your sponsor how they feel about all of this. We'll be right back. When I got the news today I didn't know what to say So I just hung up the phone I took a walk to clear my head And this is where the walk-in led At Believe Treatment Center, we understand. We understand you are struggling. That's why our treatment nourishes mind, body, and spirit. We understand that recovery works differently for everyone. That's why we design individual treatment programs specifically for you. At Believe Treatment Center, we understand that it's not easy. That's why we offer a comprehensive scope of services, including nutrition, massage, chiropractic, and aftercare for you and even for your family. Believe Treatment Center is a 12-step friendly, state-of-the-art facility located 
located in gorgeous Palm Beach County, Florida. We are experts in all types of addiction and recovery, and we are proud sponsors of Sober in the City. To find out more about our program and how your insurance may cover your treatment, call us today at 1-855-874-2354. That's 855-874-2354. 1-855-874-2354. Or visit BelieveTreatmentCenter.com. Believe Treatment Center. We understand. The thought of my sons growing up without me inspired me to quit smoking. I talked to my doctors and then I threw away all my cigarettes, ashtrays, and lighters. I started exercising instead of smoking. Staying away from alcohol when I was first quitting was key. I kept on trying, learned something each time. Do whatever it takes. No matter how many times it takes. We did it, so can you. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and CDC. My son Aiden has asthma. Secondhand smoke has triggered his asthma so badly, he ended up in the emergency room. My tip to you is, don't be shy about telling people not to smoke around your kids. Half of U.S. kids are exposed to secondhand smoke. If you or someone you know wants help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and CDC.